I'm Amber Tresca, and this is about IBD. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Like any good relationship, the bond between IBD patients and their healthcare providers requires a serious commitment to communication, especially because as a progressive disease, IBD can change and unfortunately worsen throughout our lives. In this episode, sponsored by AbbVie, a global biopharmaceutical company, I sit down with Dr. Cherubati to explain the patient-physician relationship. Take a listen and then visit Crohn'sandcolitis.com forward slash podcast for tools and resources that can help you make sure your appointments with your healthcare provider are always productive. Again, that's C-R-O-H-N-S-A-N-D. C-O-L-I-T-I-S dot com forward slash podcast. All thoughts and opinions expressed in today's conversation are mine and Dr. Cherubati's. Dr. Cherubati, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Amber, for having me. (laughs) (laughs) So what we want to talk about today is the physician-patient relationship and how we can sort of work to improve things. And I was thinking about this a lot recently, especially because in terms of the progressive nature of IBD. When I was first diagnosed, I don't think anyone ever really took me aside and said, ulcerative colitis can get worse. It's not going to be exactly like it is right now. And so I'm just wondering, when you sit with your patients, how do you describe that to them? And how do you help them understand the progressive nature of these diseases? That's a great question, actually. (laughs) Coming from a a great person. It's a hard one. Uh, And, you know, it is hard in uh, when we're giving a diagnosis of UC or Crown star patient to really go over everything. The diagnosis itself is fairly overwhelming. Uh, Often we are taking care of young patients who were healthy before the symptoms started and we're giving them a diagnosis that means a chronic illness diagnosis. I don't like to say lifelong. I think it's kind of like... um, it's a bit of a downer. Okay. I think it's a very uh, strong word, uh, word for anybody. But we are telling our patients, whether they're young or older or, you know, in the prime of their life or, or, or like ready for retirement and to finally enjoy retirement. And then we're saying, you know, you have a disease that requires uh, long-term therapy and a commitment from your part in coming to the doctor's office, getting tests, getting colonoscopy, getting imagery. Uh, All this is a lot on uh, the first visit. Um, But it's also important to be very honest with our patients. So what I tell my patient is that this disease does tend to progress. So I try to paint a realistic picture, um, but also balance it with the fact that we have now effective therapies, that we know how to monitor the disease better. So now we really made progress into understanding the disease. We know how to monitor it. We know how to adjust treatment to uh, keep the disease in control and prevent complication. So we have a sense of uh, what the disease is, what the reality is, but also I like to give my patient hope that there is a lot of things that we understand now that we can do now. That was my short answer. Right, (laughs) right. And in terms of giving that hope, I know for myself, I'm goal oriented. Mm -hmm. So when I see my physicians, I kind of like to walk away with a plan. What are we doing next? And so 
what should patients be looking for in terms of trying to hit some kind of a goal? It's probably individual for, for, right. for each patient. But on the whole, what kind of goals should patients look for and how can their physicians help them to sort of get to those goals? That's a great question. And I think, um, uh, and the reason I think it's a great question is because it's important to realize that often physicians have certain goals and the patients have different goals. And it's important to align that. And right, as a physician, I'm probably more focused on number of bowel movement, healing the bowel, the inflammatory marker, getting that CRP and that calprotectin normal, right? But what patients want are they want to be able to go to work, go to school, do their exam without being interrupted and having to run to the bathroom, be able to go camping and for a grandmother being able to spend time with her kids. So in my visit, what I try to see is what, how the disease is affecting the patient. You know, I often ask, what were the things you used to able to do or to enjoy doing that now that you have the disease, um, you can't do or you're worried about doing? And so that helps me really identify one is how bad the disease is affecting the patient life. And I think that's so important in understanding and how to, what are the goals, but also how we're going to treat the disease. And so then when we have that, we come up with a plan. This is our plan A. And if it doesn't work, this is going to be our plan B. I love plan A, B, and C. It drives my kids and my husband crazy. But in terms of patient care, I think it's important to know that plan A has a high likelihood of working. But if it's not working, there's something we're expecting because the last thing you want is that feeling of failure. Oh my God, that was that plan and it didn't work for me. So my disease must be different. I'm different. There's no hope for me. So it's important to say, this is plan A. That's the plan that I think is going to work for us. But you know what? If it doesn't work because there's nothing that works 100% in IBD, we have plan B. And these are our goals. You know, our GI symptoms, our quality of life, our social, uh, you know, life, our professional life, you finishing up this year of college, you being able to graduate, you being able to go to that family trip that you've been planning for years. This is going to be our next goal. And then our goals are going to change in the course of the disease. Our goals are going to change with life. And we're going to reassess that together and come up with a plan. I think that physicians for sure are thinking about, obviously, mucosal healing and C-reactive protein and fecal caprotectin and those, <laughs> those type of things. And I'm happy to, to let physicians do that. But I also think that patients are also thinking about those things, but they're maybe not thinking that the lifestyle goals are also something that they should be bringing into the physician's office. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel right. like it might not feel like something that I should bring up with my doctor that I can't go to a soccer game and sit there for the whole game because there's no bathroom available. So how do we get patients to understand that these are the things that they need to bring up with their physicians and that the physicians, um, if they're not asking, they need to be sort of thinking about these things because I think they're really big clues as to how someone is, is actually doing, maybe even more so than those sort of clinical scales. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story of a patient. I had a patient with UC and uh, every time I ask her how she's doing, she's like, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm managing. I'm doing okay. And her inflammatory markers were up. So I was not convinced uh, that she's actually doing well. And then I asked a simple question. I said, how are you getting to work? And she said, oh, I, I actually don't drive uh, because I need to stop multiple times to have a bowel movement so I can stop on the highway. I actually take the metro and at every stop, I get out of the, of 
the, the, the train and go to the bathroom. And I often have to wear it depends for that during oh that trip. Oh my gosh. So this is where I had the, like the moment. And I think we both had the aha moment where I think she realized how bad the disease was affecting yeah. her life. And that really, that, that the realization of this made me realize, made the patient realize. And I think a lot of patients are worried about, you know, maybe bothering doctor or maybe they think the doctor doesn't really care about social life or, or patients take it upon themselves that I have to figure out how to manage my uh, day and my work day and my soccer. And, you know, that's not the doctor's problem. The doctor is trying to fix the disease. I have to figure out how to manage. And it's important to bring it up because sometimes the physician might not be realizing um, how much the disease is affecting your life. And that's like really the cornerstone of taking care of patients with IBD. If we don't connect at a level beyond number of bar movement, there's not going to be a connection. There is no way. You know, if you meet somebody at the bar and you talk about stool, there's not going to be a connection. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> well, there so, might be. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe, very rarely at a certain level. But there has to be something beyond be bar movement, beyond right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. To establish a relationship, to establish this trust, to know that for a patient to know that the physician care about them beyond their GI tract. So if your physician doesn't bring it up, bring it up to the physician. And actually, you'll be doing that physician a favor. Next time, that physician is going to bring it up with the next patient. There's so many things I learned from my patient. And I look back and I think, oh, my God, this is not th something I realized was important. Next patient, I'm going to ask about it. And I'm going to give them time to answer. So when you, as a patient, bring it up, you're doing yourself a favor, the physician a favor, and the other patients a favor. I never really thought about it mm -hmm. in that way. It's hard sometimes as a, I, I, you know, it goes both ways. It's hard on both sides. It's hard for physicians to uh, have the time, first of all, to ask certain questions. And then, but then also from the patient side, you feel as though, do you have the right to ask these questions? Are you taking too much time? You know, I feel like there's times when my doctor, she's standing there with her hand on the door, <laughs> ready to go. And I'm like, but wait, but wait. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that didn't come right away. Right. That took me many years of being a patient before right. I got to the point that I was right. like, you're not leaving the room right. until I get this particular answer. And your story about the patient who maybe you were asking her how many bowel movements she was mm -hmm. having a day, but you weren't asking her where was she having them. Right. She was having right. them at every... Right. Metro station right, between right. her house and work. Right, right. And maybe that would have been uh, a more germane question mm -hmm. to ask. Are there other things that physicians should be asking at these appointments? Or are there things that patients should be telling their doctors at every visit? Absolutely. I think, you know, you bring up so many points here. So let me try to... <laughs> First, we're talking about these rushed office visits, right? The, these office yeah. visits are getting shorter and shorter, unfortunately, with our health system and how to address the things that are concerning to you as a patient. What I would recommend is prioritize, right? You know, we cannot do everything in one office visit, unfortunately. Yeah. That is the importance of the follow-up and the regular follow-up, even when you are doing well. Mm -hmm. All right. So office visit should not be a moment of crisis when you're flaring only. It should be also follow-up of a if you want to say a well visit, right? Yeah. So every one of these visits, see what is your priority for your present. You know, everything cannot be covered in a short time, but also it gets very overwhelming. And I think there's very little than you retain leaving that visit. So prioritize, come in prepared with your questions, especially when you're doing well, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when it's not a moment of crisis. 
In terms of what patients should bring up, I mean, I, I'm going to say everything <laughs> at some point, <laughs> but there, there are a few things. One is uh, in terms of medical problems, often I think as GI, we forget to ask our patient about other symptoms or disease location of IBD, you know, and for a patient, it might not come, you know, it's not instinctive that the joint pain or the back pain we're having or the skin lesion we're having is actually due to IBD or that that abnormal eye exam is due to the, to my Crohn's, right? Mm -hmm. So as a physician, we should bring it up. Okay, we should ask about these extra-intestinal manifestations, but if your doctor didn't ask, ask them. Uh, so any change in your uh, medical history, any other symptoms outside the GI tract, any change in your family history, any new medication, things might interact, there might be other medication that affect the immune system that we need to know about. Any potential travel, change in your social. If you're getting married please, or you're planning a pregnancy, you have to let your doctor know. We have to optimize your care. Make sure your, your colon, your small bowel is doing well uh, and discuss about um, medication during pregnancy before time, right? So anything going on with your health, let us know. Now, what about the other stuff? You know, your finances. Uh, you're not able to pay for your medication. Don't stop them. There are patient assistance programs you can be enrolled in. So don't take that, you know, financial burden on, on yourself. Talk to your doctor. Talk to the nurse. There's so many ways we can help. So finances. But also how this disease is affecting things because then we can do little things. I've had patients, you know, in dorms and just in panic mode because they're sharing a room with somebody else and they don't have their own bathroom, but they never told me. And, you know, when we talked about this, you know, we wrote a letter that they need the private room with a private bathroom mm -hmm. and everything went well. So bring it up to your doctor. Your doctor can help you in many ways. And if they can't figure out who can, mm -hmm. <laughs> reach out to patient advocate, reach out to others. Uh, but bring it up to your doctor. Your doctor can help in so many ways. You're not in this disease alone. We, we are, you know, we're a partner in that. There's so many things we can do besides prescribing a medication. Uh, we can help you at many, many levels. You just need to bring it up to our attention. Yeah, that's a good point. When things start to get problematic mm -hmm. and the relationship starts to get more challenging for whatever reason, and there can be a multitude of reasons. I think that that's something that patients a lot of times don't realize, that if they're having challenges getting in, getting an appointment, whatever it is, that they need to bring it up with the doctor. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. so... How would you encourage patients to do that? And what's the kind of language that patients could use around that in order to not be, right, to feel yes. as though to feel comfortable yes. in bringing it up and not, you know, yeah. it, it's hard to bring a problem yeah. like Absolutely. that to someone. Absolutely. I think, you know, um, with IBD, you're going to have a long-term relationship with the physician and the staff. But the reason we work at it, because they're important and the end result is important. So that's how I look at it. I think like you would talk to anybody, right? You want to sandwich things, right? <laughs> so <laughs> like a nice, healthy sandwich, not a hot dog, okay? Like a nice, healthy sandwich. So start with a positive, you know? I love coming here. You're taking such good care of me. And most of the time I'm able, you know, to get in when I need to. But there have been times where I was really sick. And I felt I was not hurt. And I just feel like this might be a problem with that problem with me probably also happened with others. And it just was not, you know, addressed. And then I, I really want your office image to always be positive. But because I've really been appreciating everything you've done for me. Mm -hmm. If my husband is listening, he will say, <laughs> I never do this with him. And he'd be so upset. <laughs> 
I'm more like, Mike, this is what we need to do because that's the problem. <laughs> but <laughs> I do this for my children. I do this with my relationships. Uh, I do this with my husband often too. But, it, you know, people, you know, we're all people. Doctors are not different, right? We're all people with feelings. We're trying our best. But always bring it up in a, in a nice, again, like <laughs> organic chicken with a little bit of lettuce <laughs> sandwich way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to ask you about the award that you won recently. What was it again? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, to be honest, it was um, it was not it was unexpected. I, yeah. I started being on social media on Twitter uh I think a little bit more than a year ago. And really my... Um, Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. A year ago? Yeah, like April, something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Okay. And, All right. and, and my, it was really like kind of more of an extension of what I what I do in clinic. That's what I want to do on oh, social media. Okay. Yeah. And what I, what I saw in my patients, you know, I get a lot of second and third and fourth opinion. The only difference was the time I spent with the patient, educating, listening, connecting with a patient. Uh-huh. That was really the major difference. Um, so I really felt that my, you know, I, I've always been an educator. You know, I love educating my fellows, my colleagues, my nurses. I'm scoping and I'm talking constantly. You know, <laughs> sometimes I think so. You, you know, <laughs> right, right. I, because I think even, you know, when I'm scoping, you know, if the nurses and the techs and the anesthesiologists understand what this disease is, mm-hmm. understand what I'm looking for, why are we doing these biopsies? Why are we we're doing these things? They are more involved in the care of the patient. They understand that. When the patient is checking in, their approach is different now. So when I went to social media, that was my goal. It was really, I'm, I'm just, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm reading, I want my colleagues and patient to, to know about it and to benefit. You know, I'm, I'm reading this anyway, that, you know, other people see what, what, what's out there. And so my, my mindset was always like, I'm going to maybe improve the knowledge of others in IBD or share my experience, what I do in clinic, what are the things that work. It was never meant to be a, a social media, um, you know, uh, innovator or something like that. Uh, but that also actually open a whole world for me. And I think, you know, I, I, I went in thinking I'm going to change things and I'm, I, I'm glad to think that I did, but also so many things changed for me, you know, connect, connecting with patient advocates, seeing what, uh, you know, my patient tell me things, but maybe they were not telling me everything. So I started seeing things and learning things from patient advocate that I brought back to my clinic and my practice. And I connected with other physicians I would not have connected with, you know, in my sphere here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned things from them. And I connected with clinicians that were not gastroenterologists, you know, psychologists, nutritionists, dietitian, that I learned so much and I can bring back to my uh, patient. So I had a very poor opinion of social media before joining, <laughs> honestly. I really thought it was for Hollywood stars and politicians. And I, it was like, you know, and, and, and there were, you know, arguments on Twitter and, you know, people putting down other people. It's, that's what I saw in the news, right? So I didn't think it was this is hol- This is hilarious for me this to hear what, this at right. this point. Yeah. So, so then I saw like the really the positive side. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, I'm really grateful that Helio recognized it as a disruptive innovator. <laughs> and, uh, that, that was really not my intention, but that's what happened and I'm excited. And I hope that that would bring more people into social media uh, looking at the positive impact it can have of educating 
uh, empowering others, I feel empowered. I feel I have a whole village behind me, you know, yeah, of yeah. of women in medicine, of patient advocate, of knowledge. So it's been an interesting uh, year. And um, I, I'm excited that, you know, my initial goal was was met to educate others, but I'm even more excited that it went beyond that. I got educated, I got empowered, I got uh, you know connected, and I, I got to meet, meet you. I would oh, have never yeah. met you, right? I know, right, right. No, there's the no lady way. with the purple hair. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got inspired. I got even purple in my hair, which is I something know. I would have never done. Um, so it's 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 been quite of an adventure, and um, uh, you know really an extension to what I believe the IBG world should be, uh, where it's collaboration, really building this trust and relationship between patients and physician, because we're in this together. Talk so much about doctors burnout, right? Yeah, so you see it yeah. everywhere. Suicide uh, with doctors is increasing. Burnout is increasing. Physicians are leaving. Good physicians are leaving medicine. And so for me, that connection that I have with my patients, uh, that relationship, because it's a relationship, it's not a transaction, right? You're not punching in symptom and coming up with a prescription, yes. and, and, and right? So yes. otherwise we'll be, you know, AI could do that, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, there's no... But there's no point. So that relationship and the connection and when we talk about, you know, the kids and the travel or the professional thing we're doing or what we're building or what we're getting involved in, that what gives me joy. And that's how I really fight burnout. That's how we can bring back the joy in medicine. It's really saying that we're making an impact in people's life, that we're changing and it, can, it might not be perfect. We might not, you know, make everything perfect, but every little step count. And that is really what is the whole point of, of medicine and the whole point of a patient-physician relationship. It is a relationship, not just a uh, transaction. Yeah, that's the way I think of it as well. Do your patients follow you on social media? Do they ever tell you, know, you that they so do? You know, it's so funny, actually. <laughs> I have very few of my patients follow me on social media. I, I rarely tell patients I'm on social media. Okay. Maybe I should. Do they, um, do they look for you? Because I look... For my phys well, first off, I ask because yeah. I also let my physicians know what I do for a right, living right. and that I'm active on social media. But there's been times when I've gone looking for a physician before I, you know, got an appointment yeah. or connected with yeah. them. So yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I know a few patients follow me, and and it's was this interesting actually because most of the patients follow me are not my patients. <laughs> so I feel like sending my village of patients. Um, but yeah. maybe, I mean, I, I don't know. Let me ask you. Let me interview you. Okay. How would you feel if your patient tell you, you know, follow me on social media? <laughs> <laughs> what is the right way of, of sandwiching this? You know? you know, that's a good question because on the one hand, you have developed Monday Night IBD. Right. And this is why, thinking back now, I did watch the genesis of it as it came together on social media, I did not realize that it, it was only in the past year or so. I feel like we've always had Monday night <laughs> IBD and you can talk about it more and what your thoughts are behind it. But I think it might help them better understand IBD, help right. them better understand clinicians. I know right. I understand you all right. far, far better, yeah. you know, and then also to connect with patient advocates that they could reach out to when it's appropriate to reach out to a peer yeah, versus absolutely. reaching out to um, one of your healthcare professionals. I, so that I, I that's think, my yeah. thought on that. I it think, may be awkward yeah. to say, follow yeah. me on yeah. Twitter, but <laughs> like, I, like I get that, although I say it all the time. Right, right. Um, but yeah. 
but, but I that think you bring a great served. point. You bring you bring a great point. I think that that would be kind of a education in, in mm-hmm. between office visit mm-hmm. and also seeing how other people approach the same problem, right. whether it's a physician, a clinician, or a patient. So, you know, so I started tweeting a year ago. Monday Night IBD started in April of this year, 2019. And the way it started is, you know, I posted a question and people got excited about it. I was like, you know, this is a great way to connect people from different institutions, right? We don't have to get on a phone call at the same time, uh, at the same place. We don't have to be at a conference. But my goal was, again, to have... The, the clinicians, but also the patients. I, I think there's a lot there's a lot of conferences for only physician. There's a lot of education activity for only patients. There's very few opportunity where we connect. And like we said, you know, what we see of the disease is not what the patient is living. Mm-hmm. What our goals are for the disease are not the goals of the patient. So how can we make things better if we're not connecting? So like you describe it, we put a, uh, and, and again, I, and I didn't want it to be purely GI because that's not what IBD is. It is predominantly GI, but it's so much more. So I really wanted to have like this comprehensive approach. And as gastroenterologists, we have such little education about psychology and, 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 and behavioral therapy and nutrition uh, and, um, you know, many things uh, and, or, or dermatology or, or rheumatology. And we're going to have some sessions on that you know, that are also involved in IBD, right? And our rheumatologists do things a different way when there's joint pain from IBD than what we do for GI. And it's important to connect and figure out how to do things better. So yes, so so Monday is uh, clinician-oriented. What would you do in this situation? And the reason these cases are important is because these are real-life cases. But then I really wanted to draw in the patient and the patient experience for many reasons. One is... I wanted to pay for patient to get educated and what we're doing and why we struggle sometimes, why there's not one answer. But also not every patient is taken care of by an IBD specialist or by a gastroenterologist comfortable with IBD. I'm hoping that with every patient experience, we learn more about what's important for our patient. We learn where our research or where our care should go and uh, about the gaps that we have between physician and patient. But also I'm hoping that the patient also are learning more and be, become better advocate for themselves when they go back to their doctor uh, and discuss the, that specific issue. That was a perfect summation of our entire <laughs> conversation. That was amazing. Um, is there anything else that you want to add to our conversation? Oh, my goodness. First of all, (laughs) this is the best way to start Friday morning. This Friday has been actually good to me. I'm going to tell you that. And I think it's always important as physician and patient with all the struggles that we have in our profession or with the IBD or with our daily life to kind of be mindful about the positive things. Mm -hmm. So. My husband has been out of town a lot recently, so he used to wake up at 6 a.m. with my son. I never liked waking up very early, so now Mm. I have to wake up. But the good thing is that I'm spending time with him before he goes to school. And then when he takes a bus, I I actually either walk outside or go for a little run. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did this morning. And it was a beautiful fall morning with the leaves and everything. So it was, I felt very kind of energized by that. So instead of like complaining, I have to wake up at six. I was like, this is good. This is, I got my little run, all this. And then, you know, I got to sit down with you and chat. I mean, how cool is that, right? (laughs) How how amazing. It works wonders for me. I mean, that's why, you know, you said... 
that connecting with your patients yeah. helps you prevent yeah. burnout yeah. or cope yeah. with it. And for me, doing my show yeah. and connecting with people one-on-one is what helps me right. move forward right. with my goals. Absolutely. So, yeah. We all it have to find ways. ways that um, kind of, um, you know, recenter uh, ourselves, right? So what are, what is important for us? And be grateful for the opportunities and the positive things of the day and, and focus on that from time to time. And this was a, a great morning. And I really appreciate this conversation more than you think, really. Um, everything's going to go downhill in the afternoon where I have to juggle many things. So I'm going to enjoy this moment for a few more seconds savor until, you, until you we're close gonna, this session. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to savor it. Yeah. And with that, I think that we've pretty much covered everything. I really appreciate you sitting with me and not just sitting with me because we're able to get our conversation out to a wider audience and hopefully we can help the patients that are struggling with their relationships with their care team, and maybe even we can get some of the physicians who, you know, get them thinking about the relationships that they have with their patients. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And this conversation, you and me sitting here across the table, is probably going to keep me going for probably a couple of weeks. So thank you very much for that, Dr. Cherubati. Thank you so much, Amber. <laughs> hey, super listener. Thank you to AbbVie for sponsoring this episode. Building an effective partnership with your healthcare team can feel a little daunting. You can find so much more great information and resources that can help you build a foundation for your relationship with your doctor at Crohn'sandcolitis.com forward slash podcast. That's C-R-O-H-N-S-A-N-D-C-O-L-I-T-I-S.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. And until 2020, when I bring you new episodes, remember, I want you to know more about IBD.